Welcome back to our study of the book of Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 this time. And in this passage, Paul is going to emphasize two things that uh, we tend to separate. The first thing he's going to emphasize is that it is important what we think, the things that we meditate on, the things that we uh, dwell on in our minds. Those things are important. And the second thing he's going to emphasize is that it's important what we do, how we act, how we live. Sometimes we will emphasize one of those and ignore the other one, put all of our emphasis on what we do, neglecting the importance of what we think, or putting all the emphasis on what we think and neglecting the importance of what we do. But Paul and all of Scripture holds those two things together. So let's see what Paul has to say about this. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So the first thing Paul emphasizes is that what we think is important. This passage uh, reminds us a little bit of uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It, it feels a little bit like those verses where Paul says, if there's any encouragement any in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, um, any affection and sympathy and so on. Um, in the same way here, he sort of piles up all these, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is commendable, whatever is praiseworthy. But what he's, in all of those things, what he's emphasizing is the things that we think about at the end of verse 8. He says, think about these things or dwell on these things, fill your mind with these things, meditate on these things, ponder these things. Uh, the Bible talks about meditation and the, important, uh, the importance of meditation. Uh, and biblical meditation is different than Eastern meditation. In Eastern meditation, uh, you're supposed to empty your mind. right? But in biblical meditation, you fill your mind with Scripture. right? So, uh, for example, in uh, Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So he's constantly thinking about the scripture, constantly pondering the scripture, dwelling on the things that the Bible says. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Basically saying the same thing that Psalm 1 says. Um, so the Bible is clear that we should meditate on Scripture. Right? We should think on the things that God has said to us, God has revealed to us in the Bible. But there are lots of other things that we encounter throughout the day that are not Scripture. Conversations, books, movies, uh, radio programs, podcasts, um, articles, etc., etc., etc. And we have to decide what to do with those things. Should we give our attention to them? How much of our attention should we give to them? Are they things that we should dwell on? Are they things that we should avoid? Are they things that we... Um, you know, should uh, seek to 
uh, forget about? You know, what, what are we supposed to do with all these things that we hear, all these things that we read, all these things that come into our minds throughout the day? Do we have to reject or ignore everything that's not explicitly from the Bible? No, of course not. That's not what Paul's saying. But if not, then what is our criteria for deciding which things we should allow ourselves to dwell on and uh, which things we should even um, seek to dwell on, right? Consciously, purposefully give time to thinking about. Well, that's why Paul gives us the criteria here in these verses. These are the things that we should think about, the things, the kinds of things that we should dwell on. He says, whatever is true, right? Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, right? Anything that falls into those categories, that's worth thinking about. That's worth dwelling on. That's worth pondering. And so we should seek out and fill our minds with things that are true, uh, things that are honorable, things that are pure, things that are lovely or beautiful, uh, things that are excellent or virtuous, uh, things that are praiseworthy, uh, things that are good, in other words. Um, now, there is a way to interpret this verse um, that would mean we should ignore significant parts of the Bible. Right? Some people might say, based on this verse, you should never read a story that has anything sinful or immoral in it, right? Because you don't want to think about those things. Well, what does that mean then when we encounter stories in the Bible that have things that are sinful and immoral? Does that mean we shouldn't read Genesis 38 where um, Judah does something highly immoral? Uh, does that mean we shouldn't read the story of David and Bathsheba that's in the Bible, where David is lusting after a woman who's not his wife, commits adultery with her, has her husband murdered. Uh, should we not read that story? Uh, should we not read Ezekiel 16, which um, you know has some pretty, um, well, you just have to read it for yourself. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy stuff to read. Um, so is that what Paul is talking about? Is, is, uh, is Paul saying, um, you know, don't read Hosea one and two, don't meditate on Hosea one and two, because it talks about the unfaithfulness of Hosea's wife. Well, of course, he's not saying that, but he's not saying, um, that we should avoid reading stories in the Bible that have sinful, immoral things in them. He's not saying, when he says, think about whatever is true, he's not saying, don't meditate on passages of Scripture where people lie. Right? There's all the parts of the Bible where people say things that aren't true. Does that mean we shouldn't read those parts of the Bible? No, of course not. Uh, because the Bible itself, all of it, is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. So, how, how does that work, right? How can the Bible report something that's not true and yet be true? How can it tell us about people doing things that are dishonorable and yet the Bible is honorable? How does that work? And how does that help us think about the other things that we encounter um, in our life, other stories, books, movies, etc.? Um, 
we don't want to. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to try to be holier than the Bible. And and Paul's not telling us to be holier than the Bible, right? Paul's not setting up a standard that would cut out parts of the Bible from our meditation. So how is it then that the Bible remains true and honorable and, and whatever, even when it reports these um, dishonorable or or untrue words that people say or or whatnot? How does that how does that work? Well, part of the way it works is this. When those stories occur, let's take the story of David and Bathsheba. When those stories occur in the Bible, the stories are not told in such a way that glorifies the sin or that um, is meant to entice us to that sin or is meant to think us that that sin is acceptable or okay or, or not a big deal. The, the stories in the Bible that relate people doing and saying dishonorable things or untrue things or, or um, you know, immoral things, um, impure things, those stories are told in such a way that they warn us against following in those people's footsteps. They warn us not to, not to believe things that are untrue, not to say things that are untrue, not to act in ways that are untrue. They warn us not to do things that are immoral, that are impure, etc. So for example, the story of David um, and Bathsheba, if you, if you read the story from beginning to end, including when the prophet Nathan confronts David about his sin and the consequences of David's sin, you don't walk away from that story thinking that adultery and murder are beautiful and lovely and commendable. You do walk away from that story um, encouraged and, and warned not to give in to the temptations to adultery and murder, etc. Um, and you walk away from those stories seeing God's um, justice and righteousness and holiness as well as his grace and mercy and forgiveness and taken as a whole that is beautiful and true and praiseworthy and good. We need to hear stories like that. So when we encounter stories outside of the Bible as well, we need to think about not only the content of the story, but the way that content is portrayed. Right? Is, is, is um, violence or, or murder or immorality or whatever, um, is it portrayed in this show or in this book or on this program or whatever? Is it portrayed in a way that is meant to make me think that the sin itself is commendable and praiseworthy and good? Or does it tell me a beautiful story of how sin is dealt with and addressed? Does it, does it, um, does it say something true by showing that if you don't live in accordance with God's ways, that there are terrible consequences that come with that? Is it, is it beautiful and true like the Bible? Not in the sense that it doesn't include any report of sin, because that's not true either. That's not realistic to portray life as though everybody always does the right thing. That's not true. But does it glorify and seek to entice me um, into these things that are untrue or immoral or whatever? Or does it seek to show that um, 
these things should be avoided and that if they're not avoided, that the only way, the only remedy for those things is repentance and confession and forgiveness because those things are, are beautiful and true um, themselves. So for example, think about this. What, what's, more, what's more true, right? A story where, um, the, it's like let's say a story of a family, a story where the parents never do anything wrong never say anything wrong, never do anything wrong, never have to apologize. They always do what's right. They always have the answers and they, they're perfect. Is that a true story or is a more true story, a story where the parents love the kids, seek to do right, but occasionally do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, have to ask for forgiveness? Which one is more true? Which one is more commendable? Which one is more uh, not only true to life, but also more um, helpful, right? And us thinking about um, how to live, right? So uh, I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't watch, right? And by the way, watching is different than reading. Uh, so I'm not saying, you know, this is okay or that's not okay or whatever. I just, I want you to think about how this verse does and doesn't function as a grid for the things that we dwell on throughout the day. Right? Um, because sometimes, again, we can take a verse like this and make it stricter than the Bible actually makes it. And if we carry out that strictness logically, then we get to a place where we think we're not even, we shouldn't even be reading and thinking about parts of the Bible. Right? Um, and, and sometimes that happens, right? We're like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't read that out loud or we shouldn't talk about that chapter of the Bible or whatever. That's not, that's not healthy either. That's, um, that's using the Bible to sort of cancel out parts of the Bible. That's not how the Bible works. The Bible is a unified whole. So we want to be careful not to make the Bible stricter than it is. But at the same time, we want to take this encouragement and this instruction, this warning seriously and make sure that the things we are meditating on are things that build up, things that are healthy, things that are, um, that are true and beautiful and good, and that we're not filling our minds as it's so easy to do with things that um, encourage and glorify and entice towards sin. We want to avoid those things clearly, right? Um, so um, make sure that uh, sort of the, the bottom line for this verse is that um, the, the Bible itself and the whole Bible ought to be our standard of what is true and honorable and just and lovely and praiseworthy and so on, right? So whatever you're um, thinking about, whatever you're giving your attention to, whatever you're meditating on, run it through the filter of the whole of Scripture. Does this portray life? Does this talk about truth? Does this, uh, you know, encourage and discourage and, and warn and exhort in a way that fits with the story of the Bible? Because there are some great, um, you know, stories out there, for example, that aren't maybe explicitly Christian, right? they don't have Bible verses in them, but they are told in a way that communicates truth like the Bible. Um, and those things can be helpful and, and good for us to meditate on as well. All right, so that's verse eight. Now verse nine, he said what we think about is important, right? What we meditate on, uh, we don't just wanna think about anything and everything. 
we want to meditate on and give our minds to those things that are good and 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 beautiful and true and 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 so on but he also says what we do is important right verse 9 what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things so this is very similar to what paul said back in chapter 3 verse 17 where he called upon people to be imitators of him right to follow his example and to follow the example of people who are following his example uh, just like he says in first corinthians 11 1 uh, follow me as i follow christ or be an imitator of me as i am of christ so we're supposed to have these people in our lives um, Paul and the, and the other apostles and of course Jesus himself and other men and women from the Bible who are examples that we are to learn from um, and follow as well as other people who are uh, either have lived throughout the history of the church or people who are alive right now who we look at their lives or we read about their lives and they are godly men and women they're imperfect of course even even the apostles were not perfect though they were inspired and their words in the bible are god's words and though they were holy men they weren't they weren't jesus right they weren't perfect they weren't sinless but we're called upon to follow the example of people like that who we we know that they are following jesus we know that they are doing godly uh things and that that we can grow and become more like christ as we become more like these people and follow their example and sort of do as they do and 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 speak like they speak and so on. So Paul's saying, but you've seen my example, you've heard from me, you've learned from me, you've watched me. Do what I do. I live how I live. Um, we know that people don't respond well to the hypocrisy of, you know, do as I say, not as I do. No, nobody wants to follow somebody like that or listen to somebody like that. That's it, it's it's um, unless it's I mean you know you know what I'm saying. You, there may be some ways where you could explain that or justify that or whatever. But as a general rule, that doesn't work, right? Paul is saying, do as I do, I do follow my example, do what I say, um, and uh, we should have, uh, we talked about this back in chapter 3, we, we should have people in our lives that we um, admire for their walk with the Lord. Um, people that either in their whole life or in specific areas of their life we feel like are more mature than we are or um, further down the road than we are. And we ought to watch those people and imitate those people because it's not just the things that we dwell on that matter. It's also the ways that we live, the things that we do, the, the things that come out of our mouth. And of course, that's affected by what we think, by what we take in, by what we dwell on, by what we meditate on. Uh, that's going to shape um, not only what we think, but how we feel and the things we desire, what we want to do. And it's going to affect the way that we live. All right, so we need to meditate on what's true and good and, and, uh, and whatnot. Um, and then we need to, um, as somebody pointed out, that follows right into verse 9, and that's going to affect the way that we live. Right? That's going to affect the way that we walk, the way that we act. And um, if we do what is godly, if we're following Christ, if we're following godly examples, and Paul says, uh, the God of peace will be with you. Right? Um, there's a blessing that comes with, and an, and an assurance and a comfort of God's presence that comes with following uh, the example of godly people, especially uh, the example of uh, the apostles like Paul and John and so on. Um, and ultimately, of course, when we're following them, we're following Christ because that's who they were following. And so as we imitate them, uh, that's a practical way that we learn to imitate Jesus. So 
There's a whole lot of voices out there, a whole lot of people vying for your attention. They want you to hear what they have to say. They want you to pay attention to their stories, their blog posts, their podcasts, whatever. They want you to be like them, dress like them, walk like them, talk like them. But be careful who you follow, who you listen to, who you imitate, whose words you dwell on, whose stories you give your time to. Because the things that you meditate on and the examples you follow, if you're a Christian, they need to be Christ-like. They need to be uh, things that fit into the pattern of the life and character of Jesus because that's what we're supposed to be like. And so we ought to be following people who are also living and talking and thinking and speaking in ways that will help us rather than hinder us as we seek to follow Christ. Amen.